Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. comes watch out boy she'll chew you up yeah oh here she comes oh, i thought we were gonna stop there she's a man eater yes there you go okay cool <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the year so it is our annual tradition usually of talking about a michael Sarah movie but we're shaking it up a little bit and talking about a film about a woman coming of age a little bit later in life Starring a former teen starlet, embracing the female sex comedy, something that we don't get very often. We are talking about no hard feelings. Yes, and it has a Michael Sarah type anyway. It does. Andrew Worth Feldman is such a Michael Sarah type, and that's why we were like, you know what? This feels like a spiritual successor to our yearly tradition since we kind of ran out of movies. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple Sarah. like, yeah, I mean, there's Paper Hearts, there's Youth in Revolt, but it's like, yeah, we're stretching it a little bit and mm-hmm. nobody's asking for those. Um, yeah, I just, I think that this is a really great film to go out on because it's one of the more high profile teen releases of the year mm-hmm. and it is about generational differences mm-hmm. amongst our generation and the youth of today. Yeah, it felt very apropos with how many conversations we've had about the growing generational divide because I think this is surprisingly a really, really lovely insight into that world mm-hmm. and it's especially fun to talk about considering how much more depth this film has compared to its marketing campaign, which um, I would love to talk about in a little bit. Sure. Um, but what was your initial thought when you saw the ads for No Hard Feelings? Because obviously I'm not going to be like, do you have a memory with it? Because it came out this year. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I remember that people were just like, sick comedies are back. Mm-hmm. And... The marketing definitely made it seem like more of a sex comedy. And granted, it is a comedy about sex. Mm-hmm. But this is like much more thoughtful than certainly the sex comedies of our youth, which what plays into the themes of mm-hmm. the film. Um, Yeah. I remember everybody saying like, it's really good. I really loved it. I thought it was so funny. And I would say it's amusing. And I think about it more than I like. Ha ha throughout the entire film, especially in the back half. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. The marketing made it seem like, yes, this is your. Makes it seem more raucous. Yeah, this prototypical sex comedy that's definitely channeling the late 90s, early 2000s era of sex comedies where everything was done in a bad taste. It is your Van Wilder types, but with a girl. Mm -hmm. And then when we watched it, I was so 
surprised and I don't want to say relieved because had this been just a raucous sex comedy, I probably still would have enjoyed it just for a very different reason. Oh, yeah. But I, I probably was, wouldn't have rewatched it twice this year. Yeah, definitely. But I was really, really charmed by how nuanced this film's approach is to sexuality. You mean it's just not a film where she tries to American pie the shit out of that kid? <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was a really, really nice choice. And also Jennifer Lawrence goes there and I have always loved Jennifer Lawrence. I never, ever got on the Jennifer Lawrence is too quirky and relatable. Let's hate her train because I'm also a forever fan of Anne Hathaway. So I'm not going to let that happen twice. I have never been that person. And you're seeing it now with, you know, the eight girls of the day. Mm -hmm. And God, you'd think that people would have. I don't know. You think they'd learn? Like, well, our <laughs> I think our generation learned because we just like don't care about keeping up with like Rachel Ziegler or Jenna Ortega that much. Like, mm -hmm. it's not really something that our generation focuses too much on because it's like we're. I mean, I feel like an overprotective big sister, even though they're like not that much younger than me. Yeah, but all that same. But I can't help it because I know how vicious people are and I'm like, yeah. no. Like they make stuff that is primarily, you know, for adolescents and mm -hmm. that we're, our generation is a little older than that so you can watch it but I don't think we're heavily involved in it. Um, the stan culture of, of people who are way hyper obsessed with like people, like they haven't, uh, they haven't learned not to girl hate. Mm -hmm. They haven't learned not to just get bored with the quirky it girl of the time and then to immediately start shitting on them for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, they should learn that. It's fucking awful. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. But for those who somehow did not see No Hard Feelings or see the ads or anything about it, here is your plot synopsis. On the brink of losing her home, Maddie... Jennifer Lawrence, finds an intriguing job listing. Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. Yeah, I mean, that's more or less what's going on, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's that's your sex comedy pitch. Yeah, that, that's the trailer synopsis. I mean, it certainly doesn't get into the, like... You know, they're friends. She mm -hmm. kind of ends up just taking care of him like an older sister type eventually by the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a combination of both the older sister type for sure, but then also this thing we talk about a lot of times, usually with queer friendships, of this kind of mentorship role of mm -hmm. having that friend who is a bit older than you, who does kind of serve as your gateway into the world that helps you have an older figure in your life to learn from, to lean on, that is not your parents. Or... Somebody who hasn't known you like your whole life, like your nanny. Yes. Oh God. That's yeah. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Jody. Yeah. Jody the male nanny. <laughs> oh goodness. How could you specify male nanny? It's like saying Merce. <laughs> male so nurse. <laughs> so we don't have a whole lot of context because this movie came out this year. But I do think it's interesting to talk about the filmography of Jennifer Lawrence because people are viewing this as kind of like her big comeback, even though she didn't really go away. Like she's consistently been working. Yeah. But the difference being she went from doing like the Hunger Games massive franchise film to Silver Linings Playbook and winning an Oscar doing a little bit of weird stuff here and there. And then a lot of stuff that was just really under the radar. So people were like, where'd she go? And it's like, well, she was working. You just weren't watching. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we're going to touch on right now. But I think it's worth looking at Jennifer Lawrence's filmography and 
she peaked really, really strongly with the Hunger Games franchise, and that's not her fault. It's just like when you're part of a global phenomenon and you are the face of a revolution in that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You're not going to maintain that. Right. You still are going to maintain your stardom, but Mm -hmm. in terms of like public profile, that's strictly not going to happen. So, like, she does X Men around this time. She started with X Men, then she did Hunger Games, then she went back to X Men. Mm -hmm. Um, She did like American Hustle. She did Darren Aronofsky's Mother, which is probably my favorite Aronofsky movie because it's genuinely bad, but it's funny about it. (laughs) Um, Not on purpose. Uh, She did like Red Sparrow, which was definitely supposed to be like kind of Black Widow. Yeah, that was supposed to be a big one for her, and it just was not. This is going to be the Black Widow movie that we never got, kind of. Uh, She was in Don't Look Up, but everyone was in Don't Look Up. Like She's continued to do high-profile things. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're not, you know, the biggest movies of the year, like The Hunger Games was. And when she took this role, apparently she turned down a um, a significantly more, a role that would have been significantly more uh, critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. probably a drama or something. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, how could she? She turned something down to be in this? And I think she just wanted to do something fun. I think she did too. Because like she's done comedies before. Silver Lining Playbook's kind of a comedy. Like she's funny in that movie. Yeah, like... Don't Look Up's kind of a comedy. Like, it, it is, but it's, like, a political commentary, so it's, like, not fun. Yeah, it's not ha-ha funny. I it's think like... she just wanted to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I think she did, Good too. for her. She started in comedy, tragically, on the Bill Ingvall show, of all things. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Maybe she just needed a fucking break from all this, like, heavy shit. Yeah, probably. She probably wanted to do something fun, and she probably wanted to challenge herself. So I have an interview coming out um, sometime in early January with Carrie Condon, who most people know from The Banshees of Inisherin. She was nominated for an Oscar for that. And the next movie she did really right after that is Night Swim, which mm-hmm. is a horror movie that's a little bananas. And when I asked her, I was like, you know, most people start in horror and then they never return to that genre because they think it's beneath them. You got nominated for an Oscar and now you're doing a horror movie. And she's like, well, yeah, because I've never done one and I want to do them. And it's one of those things where I think people forget that actors like this is also a job, but it is their passion. And not every actor just wants to be the most famous person in the world or wants to just be the richest person in the world. Mm. Some actors genuinely like the art of acting and want to do things because they like to do them. Yeah. Like if you really look at it, like Jennifer Lawrence has a very varied filmography over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool because like she won her Oscar she could keep doing stuff like that if she wanted to and to like you could say to some extent she did she did an Aronofsky movie which is like the most like cinema for the worst kind of people Mm -hmm. um well the one that the one that people keep forgetting is that she was the star of Causeway in 2022 but most people think of that movie as like Brian Tyree Henry because he was also nominated for an Academy Award for that for that role because he's remarkable in it but everyone forgets that Jennifer Lawrence is the star of that movie it's kind of like the girl interrupted situation where everyone's like oh Angelina Jolie in that movie forgetting that it's actually a Winona Ryder vehicle yes I absolutely forgot (laughs) that like that's what happened with with Jennifer Lawrence and Causeway is that Brian Tyree Henry is so good in it that everyone forgets like that was supposed to be her like big dramatic comeback but yeah Brian Tyree Henry came in and was like, I'm sorry, I'm just too good at acting. (laughs) 
That's okay, though. We have her in this, and mm-hmm. uh, you'll never forget that this is a Jennifer Lawrence movie. No. You, uh, you'll you never, ever in a million years forget this is a Jennifer Lawrence movie. She, she, she really just puts <laughs> it all out there. She, that's putting it lightly. You will never be able to hear the song Man Eater the same way ever again, uh-huh. and that is a very, very good thing. Uh, before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hey there, prom party. Congrats, we've all made it to the end of the year. Somehow, <laughs> over on the Patreon this month, for the month of December, we got, we got some fun stuff. We always have fun stuff, but it's festive fun stuff. We're talking toys for the Sadie Hawkins dance with small soldiers, and the seasonally appropriate and ridiculously strongly casted Diner by Barry Levinson. For the musical milestones, we're talking about the the song of the season all i want for christmas is you and just mariah's consistent rise as the most powerful christmas force on the planet and we are finishing up the four final episodes of my so-called life uh you're gonna get that in two parts just because condensing four hours of tv into one episode just is not going to do them justice in addition to all of the bonus episodes we have the monthly playlist, this time themed around some of the best tracks of the year, in my opinion. Um, but it's not totally all of my favorites, just because a lot of them are things that I've put in other playlists or plugged at the end of the episodes, and I don't want it to just be, like, super redundant. In addition to all of that, you get BJ's monthly newsletter, access to the suggestion box, and, of course, the ever-growing and extensive back catalog of things we have available on the Patreon Especially this time of year, more than ever, if you're not able to financially support the podcast, we totally understand. Just share us with anybody who you think might enjoy what we do. Leave us a rating if you haven't already. And, like, give us some comments. Like, be, let us know if you're excited about future episodes. Let us know how you feel about the current episodes. Like, we love seeing how enthusiastic everyone is about, you know, the, what, what we're putting out in the world. So, with all that said, thanks so much. Back to the movie. Alrighty, so Jennifer Lawrence plays Maddie Barker, a 32-year-old Uber driver and bartender and our leading lady. How do you feel about Maddie as a character? Uh, depends on when in the movie we're talking about her. That's a great point. All right, uh, start at the beginning. In- initially? Yeah, how do you feel about her at the beginning? Oh, she's the worst. She has the most, <laughs> like, she's she has a suck my dick girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she is a suck my dick girl for sure. Like she's for anybody who's never really caught up with that, just for clarity. Um, she is the kind of fucking rowdy chick in high school who hung out with boys and just would tell you to suck her dick. Mm-hmm. And like there's a certain specific kind of rowdiness that comes with a girl who will tell you to suck her dick in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And that kind of raunchy girl during that era. Mm hmm. It's so emblematic of the time she grew up in. Yes. Like everything about her is emblematic of the time that she grew up in and the fact that she still hasn't really grown up. Like she's still in her childhood home. She's still where she was. She's 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 treading water. Yeah. This is a girl who comes from a time period where she had to at some point learn 
why it's not appropriate to just casually call somebody the R word or call something that she doesn't like gay. That is the girl that she is. She definitely doesn't say those kinds of things anymore. Well, not entirely. Not entirely, but... She she's gotten more clever about uh-huh. about calling things gay, but she doesn't mean it like that. Right, right, right. Like that is that is Maddie, and I think that that's a really interesting kind of character approach. We see that a little bit in the movie Senior Year with Rebel Wilson, but the difference being is that like that then becomes the joke of like, ha she was in a coma. She doesn't know that language has evolved. Isn't that silly? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's like Maddie knows that language has evolved. It's just trying to keep those bad habits in check of, I grew up in a really terrible decade and carried a lot of terrible mentalities with me into well, adulthood. Literally everything about her bad attitude is a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Every conceivable thing she does is a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to keep people out. Yeah. So we learn fairly early on that Maddie's mother got sick uh, when Maddie was going to like leave home and start her life anew. Her mom got sick. Go surfing. She's going to go surfing. Um, but so she came back. Uh, she lives in Long Island. She went to take care of her mom. Uh, her mom left her the house. Her dad is not in the picture. Her dad was a very wealthy tourist who had an affair while he was on vacation um, mm-hmm. because the the part of Long Island they live in is a bit of a tourist destination. Oh, yeah. That's how they make their nut. Mm-hmm. Summer, summer season is what makes the whole year. There are a lot of places that are like that, I yeah, think. Yeah, like Amity Island. <laughs> I feel like Amity makes money from just weirdos being like, people died here. Well, at this point, yes. I'm talking about purely Jaws. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Fourth um, of July, we need the Fourth of July. <laughs> but no, you're totally right. So Maddie has a lot of weird uh, traumas that she's definitely not been unpacking, dealing with her own relationship with her father. She obviously has a huge chip on her shoulder towards like tourists that come and like invade her home every single year uh, because that's what her dad did is her dad invaded uh got her mom pregnant and left and that's absolutely a thing that is worth being mad about but just like the general concept of like the tourists Mm -hmm. where like they just come in and then they like fuck up your shit and they treat you like dirt because it's it's one of those excuses where i hate as a person who's bartender for a long time i hate people who feel justified in being drunk Mm um they're the they're truly the worst people. So like drinking holidays, they're not my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, most people tend to not tip very well because this is about them, not about me. Mm-hmm. So like New Year's Eve, St. Patrick's Day, you're gonna get a dollar. Woo! I'm hammered. Let's have fun. This is that. Mm-hmm. This is that for an entire summer. Mm-hmm. And those people suck. No, you're totally right. And there is something that ends up happening as a power imbalance, not just financially because all of like these tourists, like these are their vacation homes. Mm-hmm. So they can afford to have this be an additional home. Oh yeah. Literally the first guy that she serves at the bar is like, it's like three minutes before opening and mm-hmm. she could, if she wanted to, she could leave like, legally I can't open, we can't open until noon or something like that. She could just, she could have said that, but she just keeps saying, no, we're not open yet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here, I'll give you a $20 tip. I'd like a drink now. I'm used to buying my way into things. Mm-hmm. And fuck that guy. I absolutely wouldn't have served him too. Mm-hmm. Well, one, it's illegal. He might not have been. <laughs> and also, you can like, bend rules on that. Like, yeah. I mean, you should. Most liquor licenses are whatever. But no, I. it's yes, the principle like, of the The facts. person who is presumably the manager 
mm-hmm. who hired her is like, oh, I would have served him. I'll make your drink. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. No, you're right. But it is the principle of the fact. Like, that guy's an asshole. Um, and be, the other power dynamic that exists outside of just the finances, just rich people will always have more power over poor people. That's just a given. But the tourists know that this town depends on them. So that has earned them even more shitty behavior points in their minds of like- You live here year round? Oh, mm -hmm. it's like a dream. I would love that. Right. But they know like without our patronage during the summer, this town dies. So you have to be nice to us. And when you have to deal with that year after year after year, and if that's the environment you've grown up in, I totally see why she's going to be so resentful towards these rich assholes. Oh yeah. It's the fucking- it's the customer is always right, but you have to deal with it 24-7 for three months out of the year. Yeah. And if you don't do it, then your life is ruined. Yeah. And like we've talked about it on the show before, but I have such like inherent like around people who either come from specifically come from money, because let's be real. When you have this much money, um, not a lot of you are self-made. Uh, you had some help. Yeah. And that's just a world that I do not relate to it's not a world that I will ever understand um it's really really hard for me to connect with people who don't have the ability to make an educated uh decision on what the best Dr. Pepper knockoff is oh, yes. uh, that's we, poor kid behavior we talked about that last week was ghost world yeah and I'm saying it again because yeah. it's true yeah um <laughs> but 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 speaking of people like that let's 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 start pivoting over we we have we have a stopgap before we get to our boy mm-hmm. in this movie uh, let's talk about those parents. Oh my God, Laird. Laird. Laird is such a good rich asshole name. Yep. <laughs> like, are you saying Laird like lasagna? No, nope, just Laird. Laird. Just one syllable. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate both these parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a, a fun little observation that I did not notice the first time is like when they're having their meeting when they first meet Maddie and they're in the living room. Um. The the decor of their home, they have, like, a black woman, I think, in a field and a Native American person as paintings on the wall. Oh, it is the most, like, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could bullshit. Fuck those people. You can tell a lot about people based on the art that they have up in their home. Um, especially their vacation home. Yeah, and this is not to say, like, fuck white people who support, like, artists of color. It is like... That no, is, is absolutely not no, why they have that this art. This is performative bullshit, rich liber- white liberal bullshit. That's saying that we're using these people as decor. Yes, yes, 100% yes. Yes. <laughs> fuck these people. Yep. I really, really love the casting of Matthew Broderick as Laird, though. Someone who only ends up on our show when he's an adult for some reason. <laughs> I mean, we're eventually going to talk about Ferris Bueller because it is a big enough teen boy film that we have to talk about. It. I know, but he was in teen films. I and know. yet we only talk about like this, an election. <laughs> we only talk about it when it's like, hey, what if we cast Ferris Bueller as an asshole, as an adult? As a dickhead adult. <laughs> Um, But I do find the casting really, really good because I kind of love the idea of Ferris Bueller growing up, becoming a rich yuppie and then becoming a helicopter parent Mm -hmm. because he was such a rambunctious teenager that he's terrified of his own kid going through that. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that sort of headcanoning. I think that it's great. Um, But I also 
love that between the two of them, because it's really interesting, is that between the two of them, they are two very different types of helicopter parenting. Like, his helicopter parenting is very much rooted in, like, this kid's going to Princeton. We need to kind of mold him and shape him into this perfect, like, Ivy League boy. That is his approach to it. And then uh, Laura Bonatti, who plays Allison, the, the mom, her helicopter parenting is the more traditional, like Gen X parent who is just like hyper worried about everything. And he's so clearly developed a lot of his quirks and his obsessions because of mom's overprotective nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that we're getting two different types of helicopter parents because I think a lot of times when it's like film or television, it's just like the, oh no, my kid has to wear a helmet if he goes out in public and we have to put him on a leash because what if he gets kidnapped and or hurt? Like it's that helicopter parent versus this movie. It's like, nope, here's two different types. And they're both pretty feasible. And they're both pretty feasible, but when you combine them together, it is a disastrous combination. Oh yeah, and like we talked about this as a as, as a film of generational differences. Mm-hmm. There's a third one with Broderick because he's like, oh, well, I mean, I was a dorky kid who was an indoor kid. And mm-hmm. then I went to college and I got my dick wet. And now look at me. It all changed for me. And he's just comparing his son to how he was as a teenager mm-hmm. and what he thinks will fix him. Mm-hmm. And that's a very 80s approach to all of this. Oh, which yeah. Which is so radically different than you know, the 2000s or God forbid now. Yeah, like he even has the line where he says that he met this girl who really opened him up sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, So he's fully admitting, like I got manic pixie dream girled and it changed my life, which I think is so smart because seldom do movies that have manic pixie dream girl characters admit this is the the purpose that this woman is serving for this plot mm-hmm. and he says it out loud he's very much just, like we don't know this woman's they name they use people yeah we don't know anything about her he's fully like yeah i i use this woman like this woman changed my life and it's like well what's her story i want to know her story but it's like no no that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking yeah. about is how <laughs> matthew Broderick, you know became this very successful person because it's clear that he's also inferring that he would not have become the successful person he is he would not be happy he wouldn't have his wife he wouldn't have his family if it wasn't for this experience he had and he's so clearly afraid that his son is not going to be able to be successful unless he loses his virginity, which like teendom never changes. Yeah. Which is like what you said, like such an eighties idea, this like, Oh my God, it's even past prom and he's still a virgin. Our kid is fucked. Yeah. Like that's such an eighties approach to shit. Well, especially with like their approach to using people. Cause this is a whole discussion that they have when they're first talking to Maddie, where it's like, well, I mean, if you, if you're a sex worker, there's nothing wrong with that. We're mm-hmm. very pro that. Mm-hmm. But we also want you to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a sex worker, then we want to turn you into one. But mm-hmm. try dating him first. It's like, you're really like, mm-hmm. you're juggling a whole lot of things that aren't really things that go together. Uh-huh. Like You're like, well, I mean, if you're a sex worker, then like, you know, be nice. Maybe catch feelings, but not too many feelings. And if you're not, then like, meh, 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 meh. Like, it's it's absurd. Yeah. We've just been so worried about our son. Percy is so loving, and he's so sensitive, and he's extremely bright. Yeah, he's going to Princeton next year. Well, I've heard of it. He's an amazing musician, but he won't play for anyone. He's just having a lot of trouble socially. 
You know, and as a mother, that's just been really hard to watch these past four years. He's always on his phone. He doesn't come out of his room. He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't talk to girls. <laughs> he doesn't drink, doesn't go to parties, doesn't drive, yeah. doesn't do anything that I did. We can't send him to college like that. You know, he'd never make it. Well, that's why you called a professional. Not a professional, just a girl who needs a car. The other thing, too, that I find really interesting is so their payment is an old car. It was like the car that I think their grandpa, the grandpa had, had, and had. He died. And he died. So they have this car that they're willing to give away. And when they post their ad for it, it's like, are you looking for a car for college? But then when they talk to Maddie and she's like, oh, I'm a townie. And they're like, oh, that's so nice. How lovely. It's like, who did you think was going to respond to this ad? The other rich assholes that stay here? They don't need that car. Mm -hmm. They have their own car. The only option you're getting is a townie. And also, what do you think about sex workers where a sex worker is not making enough money to where she's going to be willing to, like, fuck your kid for a car. Mm -hmm. But that does lead into the really lovely conversation between Maddie and her friend, played by Natalie Morales, who was so goddamn funny, where they talk about all of the different reasons why they've had sex before. And some of them are, like, very normal of, like, I got sex and I didn't want to go home. I had Mm -hmm. sex because I wanted to get out of playing Settlers of Catan. I had sex. I thought someone was going to kill me. And it's like... Yep. Yep. <laughs> All of that's really relatable. Yep. <laughs> so you know what? Maybe I would. I would have sex for a car. Um. Yeah, I would. I know. I know that about myself. How nice is the car? Mm, if it runs and it has low mileage on it. This one has no rust. It's like that's forty thousand miles. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I'd fuck with that. Pretty car. decent car. It's that's not like, that's it's not a, like an Acura or anything, but it's pretty all right. <laughs> not an Acura. Yeah, I'd probably have sex for a car like that. I would. Cause see, okay, so traditionally when I buy cars, um, because currently we only have one in our household, which is fine. Uh, I tend to buy something that's like a thousand dollars or less in Cleveland, and then just don't do anything other than change the oil until it falls apart. Yep. Which usually is like two years, like a thousand dollars. That's 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 good. Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, the cars that I'm used to getting, probably not having sex for those. <laughs> no. Nice, nicer car than, like, a $600 Ford for Escort. V- not having sex for your van where the, the back didn't open. The back did open. You just had to open it from the inside. <laughs> and I later found out that the remote had a trunk button, but I didn't know it was a trunk button because the trunk part had been rubbed off. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the Odyssey got us where we needed to go and is immortalized in one of your movies. This is true. It is in my movie Labrys. We threw blood on it. It was cool. Oh, yeah. Fun story about that. Um, they threw blood on it, which the it was too cold or whatever, and the fucking blood cannon wouldn't work, so we just threw a bucket at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up under the paneling, so then when it would get warm, it would, like, heat up the sugar, and then and it, it would, would drip bleed. blood for, like, a week. <laughs> yeah, it was like when you see haunted houses, and it's like, the walls dripped blood, but it was the paneling of this Odyssey from 1999. It was not that old. It's like 2004. <laughs> Okay, heaven forbid I was five years off. This hey, it's a big car. difference. Cars built in the 90s versus cars built in the 2000s. Right, a little right. more wear and tear on them. Good point, good point. But yeah, anyway, by that point, that car had a, a leak in the brake line, so it's fine. Yeah. It, was... <laughs> it didn't have a lot of life left on it anyway. <laughs> we sold it for scrap. <laughs> yeah, so like, would, would I have sex for a car? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I definitely Just would. Just preferably nicer than the ones I'm used to driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. She comes on a little strong when she goes to meet the boy. Percy. All the right. The boy. 
I love Percy. I Okay, Andrew Berth Feldman is a Broadway kid. He famously is one of the people who replaced Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen. So, like, I it had. Shows. I, yes, it does show. I feel like I had a sense of who this character was from the trailers. I was like, oh, I get it. And then we watched it and I was like, oh, no, I love this character. I yeah. think he is the sweetest boy. And it's really hard not to talk about him and infantilize him, like, and not infantilize him at the same time because. Like, this is where the the shift in my brain has happened, where when I find out that people who were, like, in their 40s are going after, like, college students, mm-hmm. I'm like, why? They're babies. And, like, obviously, like, I'm not trying to, like, again, I'm not trying to infantilize, like, 18 and 19-year-olds, but he's a He's such a baby. They're down with the big cats. He's so, like, he's so sweet. And I hear him talk and I'm like, oh, oh, you precious angel. I love you so much. I want to protect you. But also, my brain looks at you like you're 15 years old. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I do love immediately how 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 apparent these two are are, are different. Oh, she's coming on with like 80s sex comedy things. Like 80s or even like 2000s sex comedy? I'm all what? Can you let me in? Yeah. It's like it's girl next door shit. Yeah. yeah. But like that specific scene was a joke. I know. So like, you know. But she But the trailer doesn't let you know that. Exactly, but she's not treating that like a joke. It's just like I want to adopt a dog. Yeah. Can can you help me? No, I want him. I want him. Yeah. It's like, okay. She's just really laying it on, on mm-hmm. thick. Um, but this is where it becomes really apparent to me that the writing of this movie is good. It's solid. Mm-hmm. The performances of this movie is what makes it a great movie. Agreed. Agreed. Because especially like Percy's character, you kind of have to have that Michael Sarah charm. You have to have like, yes, this is funny, and I believe what I'm you saying. You can't be too pathetic. Yeah. And, like, there's something about Percy that is so charming and sweet because, like, everything about him feels sweet and sheltered. It doesn't feel like he, like, Percy to me, I'm never like, oh, this kid's a fucking loser. That doesn't ever cross my mind. I look at him and I'm like, oh, you're sheltered. Like, I, I have that's the thought the of, difference. like, oh, honey, no. Yes, it's it's not like an, ew, get away, you weirdo. It's like, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, honey, no, the, the iced tea isn't bad. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and, like, he has all these, like, little moments that make him so special to me. Like, when they go to the bar and he hears the sound of, like, pool balls clacking and he has, like, this instinctive, like, panic response, like his fight or flight kicks in, that makes me laugh. Or, like, with the Long Island iced tea because he doesn't know Blech. that he doesn't know that Long Island iced tea is alcoholic. Before he drools it out like a dog with a pill, he is so excited. He's like, oh, we got new dogs in today. And he's, like, very excited to make this conversation with her, clearly not realizing, motherfucker, she did not ever want to adopt this dog. Yeah. That was her way of getting getting to you and he does because he doesn't know because he's a sweet little baby yeah and he just like oh i'm so excited and then immediately is like drooling out that alcohol like this is the grossest thing in the world or when we do find out that he's scared of man eater because he took it literally (laughs) like i think that part for me is one of my favorite running gags like man eater is just also just a banger of a song it's one of hollow notes best it really is but him taking that song literally, I think, is such a good commentary on 
kind of what we're seeing right now with, and I'm obviously speaking in generalizations here, but this like critique we have of like Gen Z media literacy, like happening where we talked about it on our hairspray episode of like young people being like that hairspray musical is racist. And it's like, yeah, it's about racism. <laughs> like yeah. that's what it's about. And so you have this with man eater and it's like, she's a monster. And it's like, it's a metaphor, but okay. <laughs> Especially cause like man eater is not even like a creative let of metaphor. That's just the term. Yeah. Like you can just refer to women as man eaters and we've probably been doing it for like 60 years. Yeah. He just doesn't understand that. And then maybe he'll make a TikTok video if he ever joins the website being like, hey guys, I just made a realization. So this song, Man Eater, <laughs> it's not what you think about it's about. It's like, oh really? <laughs> you, you just sure? you made a discovery. You figured this out? He would never do that because mm -hmm. he wouldn't go on TikTok. Um yeah, like this is where you are just really seeing that staunch generational divide that I think is I think it's done really really well. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there is a fair even amount of um, poking fun at people our age versus current teens. Like he's nineteen, he's a teen, mm -hmm. but barely at this point. Um, but like he's stunted. So yes, fair enough. And some of the other things that they do to kind of showcase this generational divide in ways that I think are very very smart is that everybody is convinced that Percy doesn't have friends mm -hmm. and it's because all of his friends are online. They're not tangible. And they, yeah, they still have this mindset of like, well, it's the internet that's not real because they all came of age during a time period where the people that you talk to on the internet, they were probably weird strangers. You, you didn't actually know them. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, I think there is some of that that is still true. Like every once in a while, I'll have somebody say something to me that is wildly out of pocket. And they're like, well, we're mutuals on Twitter. We're friends. And I'm like, that's not what friendship is. Mm -hmm. But I do have friends, quote unquote, on the internet that are genuine, deep friendships with people that I have never met in person. But they are my friend. Like we are ride or die for each other. Yeah. And we only know each other from the internet. And I do believe that Percy has those friends. I don't think that he's exclusively talking to strangers. I think he does have a community because he didn't have one in real life for reasons that we learn later in the movie. So he went inward and he built this community online. Those are his people. And that's valid. True. But there are people he plays like video games with and stuff. Right. What was the depth of these friends? Well, and that's the thing is we don't know, like yeah. because we don't dive into it. But I, I, do... I, I think that he probably talks to these friends a lot. I don't think he talks about like, I, I don't think that they, he is being pushed in any way. That I, I agree I with. I think that in their own ways, you are dealing with Maddie and Percy finding comfortable places to exist. And it is stunting both of them. Yes. That I agree with completely. So these friends are not challenging him. They're mm -hmm. not working through things with him. Mm -hmm. They're just being like, let's play, you know, whatever game he's playing. Mm -hmm. Fucking, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a first person shooter kind of person. <laughs> no, but I don't, he's not really a cozy game guy either. I don't know. He's probably a World of Warcraft type of guy. Yeah. I don't know. That makes more sense to me. I think he plays a game in this, but I don't remember what it is. Um. But yeah, you're not really having in-depth conversations during that. But then at the same time, the other thing to consider is maybe he is having these in-depth conversations, but it's that situation we talk about a lot with like young queer people not talking to queer elders and only talking to other young queer people, where then it does become this sort of like, forgive the expression, but blind leading the blind kind of situation where 
he's got his community of people, but they're all so like-minded that they are incapable of pushing each other because they all think the same way. They yeah. all have the same lived experiences. Like we talk a lot about the way that the pandemic socially stunted a lot of young people. And a big part it of that- regressed a lot of people our age. Well, yeah, it did. Because when everybody was inside, like you lost the ability to be challenged by people who are different than you because you stopped having to interact with them and you could exclusively interact with people that you agree with on 100% of the issues who have similar personality types. So it became like a very, very safe zone for a lot of people. Part of becoming an adult and part of like learning how to exist in the world is learning how to navigate spaces with people that you are very different as and in some instances don't fucking like. Mm -hmm. Like that is a very important thing is like learning how to make it through the world is learning how to deal with people that you fucking cannot stand sometimes you just don't like your coworkers. sometimes and you don't what? like your coworkers. You gotta deal with them a lot sometimes you have to deal with some fucking asshole at the grocery store who's gonna be weird as shit to you mm -hmm. and like there are certain things that you have to learn how to deal with and learn how to navigate you can't just run away from it well, yeah like this is this is where i think this movie really shines is the parallels that exist in completely opposite ways with percy and maddie where um maddie has to deal with a lot of people that she doesn't like she has to deal with fucking like shitty boyfriends who are a fling but they think that they were dating she has mm -hmm. to deal with people she went to high school with. She has to deal with like all of these out of towners. She has so many people that she does not care for. Mm -hmm. And she approaches all of it with like hostility. Yeah. Versus Percy, who's avoidance. Yes. But they're doing essentially the same thing, just through different means. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like the two of them are having very, very similar issues. They're just dealing with them in entirely opposite ways. And it takes pretty much the entire movie for them to realize, not necessarily like the, we're not so different, you and I, mm. but also like, we're not so different, you and I. That's why we are able to be friends. I, th I think you get to the point where Maddie realizes it, but at that point, like, she betrays Percy. Mm -hmm. Like, the liar revealed trope in a pretty creative way using technology. Mm -hmm. Um I think that's where she realizes that they're both good for each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like these sorts of friendships, I think, are genuinely important. Like They're very, very important. It's not all inherently grooming. It's not all inherently like a weird power imbalance. Like You can have friends from other generations, and I think that it's a good thing to have those people in your life. Mm. And it is, it is symbiotic because the younger person, yes, you do get to learn a little bit more about the people who are worldly and who have been through some things, and that's helpful. But at the same time, like you as the young person, you are helping the old person from becoming, I should say older, not like old people, but like you're helping that person understand how the world is evolving so that they don't get stuck in their ways and mm -hmm. don't continue to do like what his parents are doing, which is treat everything like it's an 80s movie. Yeah. Because it's fucking not. Like the world does not operate under John Hughes logic anymore and it hasn't for a very, very long time. And so having Percy there to be like, no, I think is like a really, really good thing. And the way they go about it is really funny because it does play with a lot of these archetypes and a lot of these different like tropes that exist in teen movies and subverts them. Like when they go to the party 
And Maddie is like convinced that he's like fucking some other girl and she's upset because now she's not going to get a car and she sees him and he's fucked up and she's like, oh my God, what did you take? What did you do? And then we find out that he's had like a little bit of driver move and ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, in an 80s movie, it would have been like acid or something really intense and then he would have been on like a wild hijinks trip. No, then it would have turned into a fucking sad movie and he got to go get his stomach pumped and he almost died and the parents are like, how could you do this to my child? Right. Stay away from him. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not what's happening here. It's still really innocent because he's still learning about the world and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and it also kind of teaches Maddie some responsibility and she learns just how stunted she is because she's dealing with somebody who has the world at his fingertips, all the potential in the world, and she's realizing how much of her life she has kind of squandered and like not done anything with because of her own hangups and her own insecurities and, and you know, getting in her own way. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk about this party for a little bit while we're here. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that this doesn't come up very often because like it just does, it just doesn't, but I'm very, very glad and very, very happy that the current generation is doing so many things to, like, change the world and push back against a lot of horrible behaviors that exist out there. Mm-hmm. Yet everyone at this party drives me fucking nuts. Well, the thing that drives me the most <laughs> the, nuts. You're right, but God damn it, if you're not the most annoying about it. The thing that gets me the most is that the parents are home and they know about this party. Yeah. And like they're even like aghast. Like, do you really think that we would let our kids have a party and not be here? And it's just like, oh, yeah, because you're you're not a regular mom. You're a cool mom. Yeah. Like that that drives me crazy. Um, The fact that like Maddie lies about her age and be like, oh, I'm 23. And they're like, oh, yeah, but I like older girls. I'm down with the big cats. And it's just like. Fuck you. Just like go blow each other. And it's like, is that a gay joke? And then immediately everyone whips out their phones. It's it drives me so fucking nuts when like it happens in dream scenario when Mm. like that's a thing where it's just like immediately every kid's like, I got to document that. And they all whip out phones. And it's like that energy feels terrible Mm -hmm. when you're suddenly on trial and the whole world is looking at you because in her case, it was a defense mechanism for it's like, oh, yeah, like I'm used to fucking dealing with like she's a suck my dick girl. Yeah. I'm used yeah. to dealing with people my age or older. And, the you know, the quickest, easy thing is you could be like, yeah, go suck. Go blow a dude mm-hmm. like and they're just like, what is there a problem with that? Mm-hmm. And like, yes, you're right. But I hate the way that they're going about it because that's right. the way that a lot of very online young people approach things is everything's an accusation. Yes. Everything is an accusation. Everything is in bad faith. And again, we're talking in, in generality. She was bad, but mm-hmm. also like the way this escalated so unnecessarily yes. where it was a fairly like innocuous, like kind of homophobic, but like not the worst thing you've ever heard in your world. And then it just stops the whole party and literally everyone has to get involved. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I realize that this is a party. Like it's all about like go go go. Not when everyone's sitting there thinking about nuance in that moment, but right. just the way that that stuff can snowball drives me. I I just can't. Yeah, yeah. Especially when like because here's the thing, and maybe this is a hot take, but as as a, a as a homosexual as a documented legally labeled homosexual. Yeah. Um, Because we are gay married, therefore the state views me as a homosexual. Mm -hmm. Ohio (laughs) views you as the groom. Ohio does view me as the groom. I wish that was a joke. It's not. Um, (laughs) If somebody as an insult to me was like, hey, go suck a dick or like, hey, you know, eat a box or whatever. Some, even if they were just to like call me a dyke or a fag, 
in that moment, I'm just like, oh, you're just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a dickhead. Okay. It would not become this thing where I was like, I was hate crimed. Somebody used hateful, homophobic language against me. And it's like, no, people are assholes and they hit you with the thing that they think is going to hurt you the most. Yeah. It's the same reason why people will call me a fat bitch because they think it's going to hurt my feelings. And it's like, yeah, sometimes it does depending on the day. But for the most part, I'm like, you're just pointing out something that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not an insult to me. And that's the same thing that happens with this is like, she says like, you know, go blow each other. And it's one of those things where it's like, if that's not an insult to you, then that's not an insult. And you can just be like, that's not an insult. And then you take the power away. But that's not the way they're approaching it. The way they're approaching it is like, oh, you said a bad thing. Therefore, community accountability. We're going to ruin your fucking life. And like, it's like, wow, again, that is, you, we are overstating harm here. That is kind of the way that we approach, first of all, th- th- this is presumably straight people stepping in to be like, I'm an ally. Yes, yes, And yes. those are not my favorite people in the world. But um, again, it's just how like generationally like we approach things. And in this case, like they're both going about bad behavior because this one's not like, oh, hey, um, we're fixing it. This is I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you far more than you hurt me, which at that point is not about slurs. Yeah. No, that's about wanting someone's head on a pike. Yeah. Like this is this is related, but not. But if you listen to the show at all, you know that Harmony and I uh quite love the film Just Friends mm-hmm. with Ryan Reynolds. We did a Sadie Hawkins dance episode on that a while ago. If I think you it was our first Christmas. It. I, think, I think you're right. Um, we were watching we... yesterday as, as, is holiday, <laughs> as is holiday tradition. Yes. Um, and I love it very much. Tell me why I had a straight person message me on Instagram about it and was like, oh, you like this movie? I always thought that it was like really fat phobic. And I was like, no, it's a lot more nuanced than that. But also, I'm a fat person. Like, I know more about fat phobia than you do, thin person. I don't need you to, to educate wa- me on what is or is not fat phobic. I just I want live to know <laughs> if like it's okay for me to like this movie. Then. Right? <laughs> That's kind you of, think it's okay? Oh, it's okay for me That's then. kind of what it felt like. But it's like... No, no, no. I don't I don't need you here right now. Thank you though, but no. Yo, yo, what's going on, you guys? It's your boy Cameron B. You're kicking the summer off right at a sick house party in Montauk. No, me. Yo, what's up? It's me, Trash Gucci. If you or someone you know is being bullied, never be afraid to speak up. Bullying is not a hey, yo, excuse me, ma'am. Can you not do that while we're recording, please? Thank you. Just getting a beer, Frosted. Just call me Frosted. And that, my friends, is what we call a bully. Huh? Oh no, not a phone. Someone held a being filled. Oh, your mommy. Oh, how old are you? 23. Damn, you're old as f. No disrespect, he loves cougars. Not the big cats. Well, why don't you two big cats f each other then? Whoa! Hold is up. that an insult? It sure is, Professor. Why is us having f- with each other an insult? Say what you just said. Say that again. No, I didn't mean it at homophobic. How'd you mean it then? It was a joke. I'm not. I've been with girls. I'm not. I'm not homophobic. Where the f- did you come from? Stop filming me. No comment. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that there's a lot of really fascinating ways that this movie is highlighting stuff. And like this movie feels like it was not made for current teens. I don't think so. I think it was made for like the Maddie age. It, it was made teens. for people who are the age of the people making the movie. Yeah. And but I, I think, think there is a lot that could be gleaned from this movie as like an educational tool or as like, you know, 
sort of a, I don't know, a peace offering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree because I do think that this movie, because Maddie is our POV, she is learning about the preconceived notions that she has about Percy and dismantling them, which I think is something that we need to do as, you know, older millennials or young Gen Xers mm -hmm. of how we view the next generation and how we do have to kind of break that down a little bit. Because the things that they have about Percy that I find very interesting is that despite being you know, sheltered and having helicopter parents, we do know that he is sexual. Mm -hmm. He does have sexual desires. They've seen his search history. Yeah, and like, I love the way that she describes it. She goes, it's graphic, but it's not gay. It's not gay. I mean, lar large groups of people sometimes, but not gay. Right. <laughs> so, like, they know that he still has these desires. So then the film also does not fall into like weird asexual tropes of like oh he just needs to get laid it'll fix him it's like no he actively desires it mm -hmm. the difference being is that he puts stock into who that person is going to be in ways that you know some teen movies do where it's He's like just I just want it to be perfect yeah. I want my first time to be perfect but for as many teen movies that take that approach to sexuality there are so many teen movies that are like I don't care who it is but it's gotta be done by prom night Yeah, and so it's nice to see this movie kind of find that balance of like no he does actively really really want sex he just wants to have that connection first Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that no, it's like, very um, it's very little darlings in that yeah. it means that sex could mean anything to different people especially during yes. different circumstances yes yes absolutely um, i think that that's really really awesome i am thinking about this right now i actually think that if anybody is worse in this movie it's it's clearly jennifer lawrence because mm -hmm. it's like we talked about how like percy is not pathetic no we, he's, we, he's just baby. We, we kind <laughs> of want to to coddle him because he's he's not bad he's just sheltered Honestly, the way that Maddie goes about things is far more pathetic. And yeah. dare I say cringe. Yeah. But like, oh, when she's trying to seduce him and she's playing hot in her and is like white girl shaking her ass and she's like, hit it, hit hit it, spank it. And yeah. he, I was like, what are you doing? Or like when they go out like and they're it, it's the scene that everybody knows at this point. If you've seen the movie, because it's the one where she's just like full naked and hits like <laughs> one of the most gorgeous German suplexes. <laughs> It is a really beautiful Just German Beats the shit out of those people. But, like, she's out in, like, the water, and it does feel like a horror movie. Like, Percy comments on it. It's like, isn't that how Jaws starts? It's like, the way she goes about things is so intense well, and yeah. so over the top. And it is embarrassing, quite frankly. Like, it is. It's, it's like, it's you're pathetic. right when you say cringe. You're so right because it's like, Oh, oh, like she beats the shit out of those kids naked and gets their clothes back. And, like, and then goes back to be like, anyway, where were we? Where were we? Let's fuck. And he's like, N no, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And what I also like is because in that scene, like the, this is why I think this movie is really smart. In that scene, it's like we're seeing Maddie be way over the top with all of this. But then at the same time, she's also right about a lot of shit in that same scene where they're right and go about it in the wrong way. Yeah. They're skinny dipping and they're naked and the, the kids are going to steal their clothes. And she, he's like, we should call an adult. And she's like, Percy, you are an adult. She is an adult. And so is she. And she's like, no, we're, she's right in that situation. I'm like, Percy, no, don't call your parents. Yeah. Like, you're 19. Get it together. And she's, yeah. she's right about that. But then she goes and beats the shit out of people with her pussy out. Yep. And it's like, one, it's a great visual. It's hilarious. Um, 
that's just funny shit to me. But also, it's just like you went from being right, but now you're wrong, and now you're back in the water, and you're wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not reading what he wants. You're not giving what he needs. You're just operating the way that you always have. Because we do see it after they like have their big blow up, and she's like gonna hook up with a guy. We see that not work for her anymore. She then tries to have a com- conversation with somebody she's sleeping mm-hmm. with and he's not into it. And she's like, Oh no, this does kind of suck. Yeah. And th- I think that there's something to that, that like, that's another thing that happens in another one of our favorite movies, the sweetest thing Yeah, where they have that realization of like, I'm tired of the game. Mm-hmm. Percy helped Maddie realize like she's tired of the game. Like, it's not fun anymore. It's okay to want to, feel young it's okay that like you know you're as old as you feel or age is just a number in terms of thinking about your own age kind of shit like that like whatever you want to go with but you shouldn't be trying to be in your early 20s forever specifically like whoever told society that the 20s are the best years of your life lied well it was probably before you settle in and have kids and it was a different time but like your early 20s is like I feel like so many people now are hitting their late 20s and they're making just as many like self-destructive sad mistakes because they've just never adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're still doing some 21-year-old shit and it's like, you're 29. Right. Like, <laughs> figure your shit out. Like, it's not cute anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not cute when you're in your 30s either. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like, I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of like adulting and... Like, that's something that, you know, the term adulting gets made fun of for our generation, like, coining that term. But um, I'm thinking about dad back in Cleveland. Love Kristen. Love dad. Yes. Kristen is dad. Kristen is dad. Kristen is a bartender. Not our actual dad. Not anymore. Not anymore. But Kristen's a teacher now. She is a teacher now. But back when she was in college and, you know, she's pushing 40 at that point, most of the people she was in, in school with were, like, 20, 21, you know, young, but, like, in college, college age. And any single time any of the people she was in class with got, like, a ticket or, like, had an issue where it's like, oh, no, like, the pilot light went out in my house. What do I do? I have no hot water. Kristen. Yeah. They would all bother her for, like, these tiny little issues because she was the closest thing to an adult they had that was not their parents. Yes. (laughs) And it's like, no, but you're an adult. Like, I know you think the term adulting is embarrassing, but, like, troubleshooting like this is part of being an adult yes learn um, to troubleshoot and also it's good to have someone who's older than you who's you know you see as more of an adult mm-hmm. like in practice it's really great to see like movies don't have to be psas like we're seeing that a lot with people who don't understand may december which has similar moving parts to this but goes in about it in wildly different ways uh-huh, uh-huh. um I, I'm I'm seeing a lot of people just be like, well, the movie should have said this. No, the movie doesn't owe you anything. The movie doesn't have to teach you any lesson. This movie's as deep as you feel like it being. And I think mm-hmm. honestly, reading far more into it than just a comedy is the way to watch this. It's so much more beneficial. I agree. But 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 yeah, like these are interesting things that like this movie didn't have to do, but like this is what makes it good mm-hmm. to me. This is what made it get bumped up from the Sadie Hawkins dance to this because it's like, oh no, we can talk about this for more than thirty minutes. Absolutely. And like, okay, so on the comedy. The other thing, too, is like, yeah, there's a lot of really lovely messaging in this movie. There's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. It's also really funny. Like, the bits in this movie are funny. It's the delivery for me every time. It is. It is the delivery. The bits are good, but specifically 
Maddie and Percy's delivery of the lines is always what gets me. Andrew Barth Feldman on the hood of the car screaming, oh my God, when he thinks he's going to get hit by a train is one of my favorite like yells. Uh, He's he's got so many of these like little bits that make me laugh really, really hard Mm -hmm. because the delivery is so good. And Jennifer Lawrence is just one of the most like charismatic performers. She's so charming. She can make any line work. Like... There, there's so many lines in this that are the Michael Sarah Skyla Gazando kind of like, well, I mean, okay, uh, 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 kind of delivery. Like when they're when she's trying to be sexy and doing it in the way that she remembers in high school or her twenties to to hot in here and it's white girl twerking in a little booty shorts. At one point, like she she puts him on her, like she gets on his lap and she's just like, you're you're a little you're a little heavy. Like I, uh, it's just like wow, okay. And then she just switches and bounces this boy on her <laughs> knees like a small child. It's really funny. And just like it's the it's the it's these these moments that I think are so much funnier than like the big set pieces, like them driving around on the car naked. Mm-hmm. Like that's the stuff that I think you get in the trailer. Like those are your, those are your showcases, but those aren't the parts that I find the funniest. And like I also really love Percy's one friend Crispin, who has like random lines like I fucking love Sally. Mm -hmm. like that shit's really funny that to me like that character is the most gen z to me yeah where like it's just (laughs) that's such a weird thing to say but that's some shit that like our nephew cash and his friends would say oh yeah (laughs) so like that makes me laugh um I also really love the conversation they have about intense dreams where like Maddie's trying to flirt to be like, I had a sexy dream about you last night, but she calls it an intense dream, but she's Mm -hmm. clearly talking about a sex dream. And he's like, I've had an intense dream. Do you know Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad? And she's like, oh yeah, it's going to get sexy. And she's like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, she put me in a cage and she like took me and did whatever. And it's like not sexual at all. It's like, she locked me to dog cages and I, I kicked the cage and I screamed and she's like, what? That's not sexy at all. And she's like, well, you said intense. Yeah. It's like, that is an intense dream, Percy. You're right. It's a real right. circus fire. <laughs> Just very, very funny. I don't know. But speaking of the Gen Z of it all, um, the reality of this movie is, is, is so much that like, you know, it's from now, you know, t- 2023 and it would have been made over the last couple of years. But you got to think Percy's 19. He's been spending all, all of his life indoors, but especially since he was 16. You know, when you would normally have freedom because he doesn't drive. He doesn't have a driver's license. And Mm -hmm. usually when you turn 16, it's like, I can drive. I can go places. I can do things. Yeah, that's a thing now. But he doesn't need to. And all of his friends are online. Where's he going to go? I I was kind of that approach where it's like, fucking, I live in a shitty little town. Where am I going to go? But it was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Where's he gonna go? Why well, would he learn to drive at sixteen? Well, this conversation is actually was actually trending on Twitter the other day because somebody was like, "I have nineteen year old, you know, little cousins or whatever, and they have no interest in getting their driver's license." And the quick defense that a lot of people have is they're like, "Well, maintaining a car is really expensive. Car insurance is really expensive. Gas is really expensive. We've also kind of eliminated third locations for teenagers, things like malls, parks, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like loitering laws are a lot more strict. You can't really go anywhere without paying for it. So it's become really difficult for teenagers to like really be like they don't have to be car dependent anymore, Mm -hmm. which that I all understand that. That's for sure. I get it. I'm right there with you. Sure. What then people don't take into consideration, though, is that like a lot of them, they do still have to work. They do still have to go to school. They do still have to do a lot of things. Busing, not really a thing anymore. Public transit in the fucking shitter. We don't have buses where I'm from. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that now 
parents are having to cart their kids around long, long, long distances. They're having to completely restructure their lives around taking care of teenagers who theoretically should have a little bit more independence by this age and they don't anymore. Mm -hmm. Or they're taking lifts and and Ubers and whatnot. That's more expensive. Which is more expensive. So it like, yes, I understand like the the thought behind why, but we're not taking it that next step further. It's like, okay, no, I agree with you. This is all really expensive. That would absolutely destroy anybody's desire to want to have a car or be car dependent. However, how are they getting around or are they going anywhere? Mm-hmm. So either they're, they're now at the mercy of their parents and parents are having to stay long-term parents for way longer than they ever intended to or should be required to, or they're not leaving the house and now they're getting more socially stunted. Mm-hmm. It's like, what what do we do here? Like the, the answer is obviously we need better public transit, but our government's not going to give us that. Then you're going to get <laughs> one friend who can drive and then they're just going to be like. They become the friend with the car. Yep. I was the friend with the car for I, a very long time. I, just, I was the friend with the car once I hit 18 and God, it's the worst. Like it's yeah. cute. It's cute until people start expecting it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. Yes. I feel that. Luckily, my friends are always very wonderful, and they're like, "I'll give you gas money," and I'm like, oh, "See, my friends did not offer gas money, <laughs> and also this would have been like post 2009 when gas prices were stupid. Yeah. I mean, but they're like, stupid they're, now. They're, they're but cheap yeah. by like today's standards. But like at the time, yeah. Once once the the housing market crashed, yeah, it was got like bad. man, two fifty a gallon. I don't make that much money. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of friends with cars, let's talk about Jody the babysitter. Jody, Jody prob- the nanny. Jo- Jody probably drives, but who can say? Um, Jody sucks. I hate Jody. And like, what bothers me too is you know she makes a lot of jokes about male babysitters and male nannies. And I do think that there is a stigma around, you know, male nannies, also male teachers that I don't like, that feels very homophobic. Men who are in women's work. Yeah, like that stuff does genuinely bother me of like men should be allowed to do these things. It's not that Jody's a man and a nanny that bothers me. It's that Jody, the human being, is a nanny because I think he sucks. Mm -hmm. I think he's a weirdo. You see how he immediately like changes his personality when he's around Percy. And I don't like that. Maddie doesn't do that with Percy. Like when she's putting on airs of like trying to be sexy, she does. But she's as much of a shitty mess around him when she's trying to be sexy than when she's not. Jody will flip on a dime where it's like, hey, buddy, let's throw this Frisbee. <laughs> We're buddies. And mm-hmm. then the second Percy's out of earshot, it's like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. No, 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 Jody. I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that because now I know you do not see Percy as like, unequal you you're infantilizing him like exactly. you're actively infantilizing they, they've him. known each other too long and like she, he he can't see percy as anything other than a small boy see and that's um, and that's percy, a skill issue and percy's not doing anything to do him any favors but still the thing that gets me about jody is that he's a fucking renfield he where, really is where he's just like he's he's smelling fame and power where he's just like you know i've nannied for some really powerful people and i could destroy you and it's like fuck off Jody. yeah i can't stand <laughs> you know him. i've dog walked will smith's dog or something like that it's like whoa aren't you special <laughs> yeah i can't stand him um but i do think it is a skill issue because i i see your point of like oh well you've known them forever so you always see them that way because there are definitely adults in my life that are like my parents friends that sometimes they talk to me and i'm like do you not remember that i'm in my 30s Dude, like there are adults who are like your colleagues who still see you as like a 20 year old because you've been in the game too long. This is also very true. Um, So I get that. 
But the reason I say skill issue is going back to like our nephew who we mentioned earlier, Cash. Cash is 17 now. Um, I've known Cash since he was a very little boy. The way I communicate with him now is nowhere near the way that it was when he was a kid. Mm. Like, Cash and I both make jokes about like wanting to die because we both have a history of suicidal ideation uh. and we think it's funny. Uh. Like, that's not a conversation I'm gonna have with him when he's like at nine. That's ridiculous. No. But I'll have that conversation with him now. Of course. Because he's an adult and he can handle it. And that's, I think, something that people forget when they're dealing with people they've known for a long time or people that are younger than them. Like, you do have to grow with them. Like, in order to maintain a good relationship with the people in your life, you have to grow with them. Mm -hmm. You can't be like, oh, I've known you since you were five, so I'm never going to stop treating you like you're five. They're going to run away from you because they don't want to be treated like a child. Oh, I mean, that's what I did with my family. Mm. Like, uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago, I told a story about uh, hitting a picnic table full of people with a golf cart. Mm -hmm. um, that was a story that they brought up every single family function for like the rest of me hanging out with my family. Yeah, that's stupid. Because we, they would ask, like, how's work? And that would go, well, this. And they're like, I don't understand how you make money as a bartender. And it's like, well, because I'm good at my job. And they're like, I don't get it. And then they would go, hey, you remember a story of, like, remember that time when? And then we would reminisce about some shit that happened, like, 15 years ago. And it was usually something embarrassing or something mean. Not 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 anyone reminiscing on the good times. It was always just, like, we're just going to, like, ha, ha, ha at you. And it was what... It was what happened all the time in my family. That's like that's how they interacted with each other because like no one has anything worth saying. Mm -hmm. And so it was always about like, ah, yes, we're going to constantly embarrass and infantilize you. And it's like, well, yeah, no fucking wonder I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah, that's not that's not getting to know a person. That's not being close to a person. That's that is someone you you are, you are putting them in a in a little little glass menagerie to look at them and hope that they will never get dusty or change. Yeah, it your they will member perpetually be the thing. You're member burying somebody in real life with their life. Like, mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. It's like when, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, member berries is a, a joke on South Park about how so many films and TV shows now. Member? That, yeah, it's just like, hey, remember Indiana Jones? Let's not be clever, remember? Remember? Remember this? And it's it's not actually interrogating any of those thoughts. Like, the member Barry's version of no hard feelings would just be American pie tropes. Mm -hmm. It would just be like, remember American pie member. Yep. Whereas no hard feelings is actually like digging deeper and Percy, Percy's analyzing internet it. Friends would be like, come on, dude, like you gotta, gotta lose your virginity. Apple pie, get your dick wet. And then he's just fucking in the kitchen and Matthew Broderick catches him. Yes. Cause he doesn't know what pussy feels like. Yes. That would be the member Barry's version of this. The way worse movie it would be the worst movie. Be the absolute worst movie. But what people member, like people member berries people in real life where if you can only communicate with somebody about something that happened a very, very long time ago and it's just retelling the story and not actually breaking apart like what it means, mm -hmm. how it affected everybody moving forward or I don't know what you're doing now, yeah. then you're not having a relationship with somebody. You're talking at them. Yeah. Like it's surface level. And I, so I and so that's one of the things I like about this movie is because Jody doesn't do that with Percy and you see how Percy immediately regresses when he's around Jody. But Maddie challenges Percy. She questions him about things. It's like she's the only one who treats him like an adult. She's the only one who talks to him like a fucking adult. She's the one that he talks to and is like, here's why I have all these weird hangups. 
I got bullied because I have helicopter parents and I, you know, slept in their room and then it turned into like, I fuck my parents, which is again, that thing we talked about in the early party scene of how it's like, oh, we know a weird thing about you. We're going to ruin your life over it and Mm -hmm. feel justified because they add some sort of like moral clause to everything because I know we talked about this, but on the show before, but that's the way that bullying has evolved in this very insidious way is that we have established like bullying is bad. Don't bully people. So now instead of clever about it and yeah, people get clever about it by adding like moral failings to justify being a bully Mm -hmm. instead of just being like Percy's weird. Ha ha. Let's look at the weird kid. It's like, Percy's a sexual menace and now he has to change schools because people are being shitty like and we even find out that the kid who bullied him got sent away to military school because Percy confronts his parents about it and Laird is like no I thought I I was told it was his dream to go to military school Mm -hmm. and it's like no 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 your parents are meddling with your affairs like Percy didn't even get to handle this conflict with his peers because his dad stepped in and like took care of it so that's gonna also ostracize him from his friends because now he's the kid uh-huh who, your daddy fights for you yeah your dad fights for you but also like you got our friend sent away to military school yeah like that's not going to help him and it's like yeah bullying is bad and people should be held accountable for that sort of thing but where was percy in the involvement of any of this he wasn't they took care of it without his consent and without including him in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then he paid the price for it. You little shit. You're lucky I came back for you. Where would you be without me? I'd definitely still be a virgin. You're still a virgin, not Chad. No, that counts, actually. Well, you can tell your friends in college whatever you want. If I make any friends. What do you mean, we're friends? I think we're probably gonna come back out for Thanksgiving. I won't be here. I sold the house, I'm, I'm moving to California. <laughs> You're gonna be okay. What are you, some kind of wise Buddha? I'm older than you. You're gonna be okay. We're both gonna be okay. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is um, like the idea of of Maddie staying in in town forever. Mm-hmm. And it, she's obviously like stuck in the past where like maybe your daddy will actually come and show up and love you one day and that's why you gotta stay in this house forever. I'm gonna stay here until he comes back. Well, and I think it's also to the extent of like, well, my mom gave me this house and my mom is gone and this yeah. is the last connection there's, I have. There's a whole lot there's, of- She's dealing with a lot. Yes, and she's not unpacking any of it. She's just like fucking the pain away, to quote Peaches. Mm-hmm. I, I've been thinking about this so much recently where um, people ask me pretty regularly, like, do you regret moving out of the Midwest? And the answer is no, but there's things I miss about the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And- the reality of it is I would have probably stayed in one location mm-hmm. until, you know, I died or it closed and then would have had to figure it out and been hanging out with the same people who I love and going to the same places that I love with those people. And then you blink and next thing you know it, I'm someone like my dad or whatever, where it's like, 
yeah, I'm 45 years old, and the only music I listen to is stuff that I listened to when I was 25. I haven't listened. Like, every once in a while, I'll pick up a new band, um, and they're not even that new anymore, and I'm doing the same things in the same places with the same people, and it's just, like, quiet acceptance. Mm-hmm. And, like, for some people, that's fine. I don't think that would have worked for me. I would have gotten bored. Mm-hmm. And, and boredom will kill you. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I don't want to be a person who just thinks that all of the best movies came out in like 1998 or that like there's never been a band as good as Led Zeppelin or whatever. You don't believe that. You think it's the Beach Boys. I don't even think the Beach Boys are the best band Ooh, ever. Oh, look at you. I do love I, Well, it's because they have, they have a lot of shit. That's true. I love the- Mike Love fucked a lot of stuff up. Well, it's not all just Mike. It was just there's a lot going on with the Beach Boys. I like I think the Beach Boys are fascinating because of failure. Mm-hmm. Like it makes their good stuff so good, and I want to unpack like why they made bad decisions, like releasing so much of their shit in like mm-hmm. the late seventies and eighties. Um, like it's it's some truly unlistenable stuff in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just that there's a certain part of of, of growing up, and sometimes that is just moving on. Mm-hmm. Like in the case of Maddie's friends, they they're they're homeowners now. And they're having a kid and they're starting mm-hmm. a life. This is the new chapter of their life. Mm-hmm. Maddie was never going to have a new chapter of her life. Mm-hmm. She was forever going to be maintaining the status quo or trying to recapture something from when she was 25 and hot shit. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that, especially post pandemic. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm really grappling with the fact that late 2019, I think that was the best me that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to go back to late 2019. You, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. So now we're trying to figure it out again. Mm-hmm. And just constantly new chapters and constantly trying to figure it out. And these two are going to go on and create new chapters together at totally opposite ends of the country. So something that you just said that I am now like fixating on a little bit in my head because it's very poignant is we've talked a lot on the show about, you know, scenarios where people like never leave their hometown. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually it's like, hey, if you stay in your hometown, like that's valid, that's fine. Because a lot of people do it. A lot of people don't move out. But for some people, you do need to leave. Mm-hmm. I think someone like Maddie needs to leave because like you said, if you stay in your hometown, a lot of times people do change a chapter. They do kind of, I don't want to say like level up. That's like a shitty way of putting it. But they do evolve beyond what they do. They do move out of their parents' house. Mm -hmm. They get married and they buy a house and they have children or whatever. That is changing your life. Like you're not changing your environment, but you are changing your life. You are changing what's expected of you. Mm -hmm. You are introducing new variables by being married, by having children, by doing things. So in that sense, you can absolutely have a life that evolves without leaving your hometown. But Maddie's not doing those things. She's not getting married. She's not having children. She's not doing anything different. So for her, leaving is what she needs to do. Mm -hmm. It is how she, quote unquote, levels up. And I think that that's a very important discussion that people should probably have with themselves is figuring out, well, what does leveling up mean for me? What does evolution mean for me? And in some instances, Evolution means like you're done. It means like you've stopped. You're very content with where you are and this is where you're going to be forever. 
and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But Maddie's not content with it. She's not happy. She does need to evolve. She's not done. Your your needs are very different for your own unique circumstances. And, absolutely. You know, uh, the, the, the version of Maddie that we have in this would absolutely be um, an older equivalent of it would be some woman who's like 50 and got a haircut in like 1988 and then that is her haircut and she's mm-hmm. never going to change it and she's still showing up looking like she's going to a faster pussycat or an enough Zenough show. We were talking about this the other night. My mom's best friend has been wearing blue mascara since like 1976. Mm-hmm. She has not stopped. She is in her 60s pushing 70 and she still wears bright blue mascara. Every single day. And you know what? Sometimes that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's you know, her as thing. Lo- as long as you're happy with it. But like. I'm going to have green hair until I'm an old lady. I'm going to be like the green lady of Brooklyn. Yeah. That's just. I, th- I think it's Brooklyn. It might be Manhattan. I don't remember. But I'm going to be like that when I'm old. And I've accepted that about myself. But yeah. Like people make a lot of judgments about like these older like hair metal party girls. Mm-hmm. Or um, like we went to we went to the Whiskey A Go-Go for a metal show with our friend Mallory Romera this past like this month it, mm-hmm. by the time this comes out this will be like it'll be a little bit further in the past but we, we saw burning to... witches they fucking rule burning anyway. witches was great the five openers were bad <laughs> and everyone in the crowd like it was it was heinous energy it was a bunch of these dudes <laughs> with just like really stringy hair that they don't know how to maintain and it's dry and they're all wearing band t-shirts that they bought in the last year from bands from like 40 years mm-hmm. ago and the and they're all just like yeah and they're all getting hyped for the music that plays in between the sets we're just like yeah ace of spades yeah <laughs> yeah holy judas, diver judas priest holy diver yeah and then the band comes out and they're just like yeah whatever uh-huh. Um, these are guys trying to recapture the glory days of the whiskey a go go in the fucking eighties, mm-hmm. and it's never going to change. And these guys are going to be rock and roll till they die, and like rock and roll is, as they know it is is dead. And they're just that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, that just seems like something I, I I don't want. But for them, if that's what you want, then do your thing. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like that that this is this is Maddie in the ocean trying to fuck a dude. Mm-hmm. This is this is that own unique version of it. Just being like, yeah, I'm going to go fucking suplex someone butt ass naked and then come in and be like, where were we? Let's fuck. Mm-hmm. Like just trying to maintain <laughs> some level of control or composure or cool. Mm-hmm. It just I just can't do it. Yeah. No, you're you're right. And this feels like a really good conclusive conversation to be having as the last episode of the year. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's going to, you know. <clears throat> I think this is a good movie to watch at the end of the year because you can kind of think about, you know, what does what do you want your your next start to be? What do you want your next year to be? Yeah, if you believe in like resolutions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like totally new new beginnings. If if you need a, a clean break on that, mm-hmm. I have one final question before we do the question though. Sure. So, Percy sort of has sex with Maddie. Yeah, not really. Does it count? No, I didn't think so either. <laughs> it doesn't count. No. <laughs> Like he just rubs on her thighs and then just ejaculates. Yeah, that's not that doesn't count. Yeah, I'm sorry, Percy. You're you'll you'll get there one day, buddy. You'll get that at Princeton. Yeah, like if you're if you're making out with a girl and you like, I don't know. If you ski in your jeans, kind of, then it doesn't mean anything. Like you have to actually insert into something, or like there has to be a hand involved. And at that point, it's only a hand job. Like this is none of those. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're on the same page on this one. 
he can believe what he wants, but eh, it doesn't count. Okay, buddy. <laughs> I mean, at least it's more meaningful than probably whatever his real first time is going to be in college. You know, that's a great point. Because at least, while it was not under the best of circumstances because he was mad at Maddie at the time, that's like that's also a great it'll, story for it'll him It'll be forever. better that they'll hold on to in the long term. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, also one more thing before we get to the question. His cover of Maneater. It's so beautiful. It's wonderful. Like you hear it and you hear like the, the like the the like the kind of poetry of how like the lyrics flow in each other and mm-hmm. those melodies and you go, no, but Hall and Oates one wrote like a genuinely wonderful song. Yeah. It's just like kind of hidden under some like 80s production yeah. that makes it sound a little hacky. Yeah. But I still like Hall and Oates. Mm-hmm. But like no, it's like at its core, it's a beautiful song. Hollow Notes do not like each other anymore. I'm so sorry for those who didn't know. They are suing each other right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly Oats, I think. Yeah. I think Hall is, you know, I'm not going to say he's the good guy, but he's the one who has a restraining order against Oats. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I feel like I know the answer, but the question is, No Hard Feelings is asking you to the prom or the Princeton party, whatever you prefer. Is oh, it definitely a- <laughs> not the Princeton party. I do not want to go to that. Is it a yes and no? Maybe are you buying them a ticket so they can go on their own? Uh, it's a yes. I think that like, as a comedy, comedies are subjective, whether or not you find this as funny as a, is, you know, your own thing. But like, as far as like elevating what the sex comedy genre is, I think it's a really, really good job. Um, I don't think it's a good teen movie actually for teens, but I hope that they could be entertained by this. Um, yeah, no, this, this, this is, I think, a, a really wonderful film Beautiful for, for what it's doing. I agree. Mm-hmm. And that takes us out on our last episode of 2023. Thank you, as always, for listening. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at The Sends at Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor or on Blue Sky, which I haven't been really good about using lately. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, at Harmony Colangelo. And thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what band do you want people to check out this week inspired by No Hard Feelings? So this week we are kind of plugging together like beachy indie vibes with indoor kid vibes. Uh, The band I'm plugging is called Super Cassette. I believe it's primarily just one person who then threw some band members in there. Um, They released an album called Continue just uh, this month in December, like the start of the month. And it's some it's, it's some kind of nerd shit, but like if you like I don't know a Wheatus or like a like a Harvey Danger or like maybe even like a Ben Folds Five at points like this this is some dorky like indie pop like wonderful shit. Um, I think that it is quite infectious. I think it has wonderful hooks, wonderful melodies, and some strong lyrics. The opening line to the first song, which is the title track, is all about an anxiety disorder. So I think that this is a, a good mm-hmm. Percy-approved kind of kind of <laughs> album. I'd say give that track a listen in particular and see if this vibes with you. And then just go for the whole spin on the album. I think it's all really entertaining. Amazing. And one more time, what's the band? Super Cassette. Super Cassette. All righty, y'all. We will see you in 2024. And as always, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye.
This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.